Welcome to this week's Gig News, your go-to podcast covering the latest news, trends, and viral posts from the delivery and rideshare sectors of the gig economy. Now, let's turn it over to your hosts, professional gig workers Chad, the gig economist, and Hannibal is hungry. Hey, welcome, not to this week's Gig News, Gig News tonight, and we got a special guest, Kim side know, money i'm gonna move closer to the camera or away from the camera <laughs> oh, you know what? try putting your hand up to it like this sometimes that helps let me see like if it no yep. no what did you oh there, it goes. Oh, there you go dead. Yeah. okay <laughs> so just don't move just, yeah don't move <laughs> all right so yeah it's nice to have a you know a, a third person sometimes so in case you're in case you're not familiar check out kim's side money plans she's in I guess you would tell it like central coastal New Jersey. Yeah, it's about central Jersey, but I am literally four miles away from the beach. So coast, but central. Mm -hmm. And then right on the other side of the river is, well, maybe not right on the other side of the river, but Hannibal is in Brooklyn there. So yep. Yep. You, you guys are like so relatively close to each other. It's funny. I think we're all wearing we gotta, black shirts. We gotta hang out, Cam. Like I got, we gotta, you know. I mean, I book a, you know, you deliver way more than I do, but I could like, I could sit in the car and watch you deliver. <laughs> <laughs> we we, we totally should. <laughs> we yeah, are so like, close yeah. to each other. I think we're like what an hour away from each other. So yeah, maybe I can throw the camera out, do like a day in a life thing. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> okay. Well, Leo wants to be on camera. Hey, bud. So, anybody have any funny stories or anything? Did you, and did you guys work today? I did. I did. I did not. Well, I don't do what you guys do, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, last weekend was great. You just hanging out with the family, you know, Mother's Day that type of thing. So the family was actually home. I, well, my wife was working, but throughout the week, I, she was off, and my son had <laughs> spring break, which was a weird. Everyone had spring break, and he's like the last one to have it. But I just had a great time with the family. That's funny. The kids here are like almost done with school. They they have like the same schedule as college. It's like they start in August and they finish in May. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm hearing like a is that somebody's AC or something? I sounds not, like right, let me see if it's me. It sounds like Christmas bells almost. I don't have AC, so not me. <sighs> I don't know what it is. Oh, let me see. Let's That's try. okay. Well, um, while Hannibal's doing that, I'll tell this story. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take this, the, I'll take the con. So, um, if you follow me, like, you know, I do, uh, Amazon flex and the thing with Amazon flex is you have to be there, um, within, you can show up 15 minutes early or five minutes late, but you cannot be more than five minutes late or you lose your whole block. Well, on Sunday I was driving as fast as I could up to Daytona beach and my GPS, like my block was scheduled for two and my GPS, said I was going to get there at two Oh six, which means I had to like shave off about two minutes of drive time. And there was so much traffic on I four heading out to the beach. I assume it just because it was a nice sunny, hot day, probably everybody was going to Daytona beach. And, um, I got there maybe 30 seconds late and like on the app, it actually says you lost your block, but there was still a guy out there. And when you pull up, they, they scan your license. And I said, Hey, I'm a little late. Can you, is there a way you can still get me in? And he's like, yeah. So 
it was absolute miracle that I was able to still get in. That's in the three and a half, four years that I've been doing Amazon Flex. That's never happened. It's like if you're one second late to your block, you lose it. That's it. Like there's no way to get it, get it back. So that's the first time I was able to, ever able to get back a block that I technically lost. And uh, it was what was even better than that. So it was a three and a half hour block, <clears throat> supposed to be two to five thirty. It was paying ninety one dollars, and it was going back to where I just came from. So it was not in the town that I live in. It's like there's this big lake, and I'm on the south side of the lake, and my route was on the north side of the lake. So it took me, and there's all these houses clustered together, um, and I was able to, to knock out a three and a half hour block in like just under two hours. And the thing with Amazon is like, if you finish early, you still get paid for the full block. So it's awesome. That's so I awesome. made, I made like forty five dollars. I think forty five dollars and fifty cents in two hour, you know, per hour yesterday. For so I made ninety one dollars in two hours, and then after that. I just came back to my home area and just did like Instacart and corner shop and all that stuff. So nice. Sounds yeah. like a good day. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I think I'm going to start. Um, I noticed that Amazon, these Amazon blocks, especially like, cause like, and it was funny cause after that there was a five to nine block and it was paying one twenty four. If you, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw me post a screenshot of it. And it was like, I didn't want to run all the way back up there cause I had just come from there. So, I mean, that was, you know, Sundays are busy enough with everything else that I didn't really need to. So um, I think I'm going to start because you, what I have been doing the last few months is I've been taking the weekends off and just doing Monday through Friday, like noon to eight or 9 PM. But I think I'm going to start taking Tuesdays and Wednesdays off. Uh, Cause those Sunday and Saturday night blocks are just, they're too good to pass up. So how was your weekend? It was good. Mother's day was yesterday. So Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, so I've spent the day with my family. But here in Hannibal, you probably got it too. It was pouring rain literally yeah. the entire weekend, like Friday and cold Saturday. And even Yeah, it was cold, but it was a good money-making <laughs> weekend. So I guess I can't complain too much. But it was just a cold, rainy weekend, but it was a good money weekend. Yeah, that's the opposite of here. It was like in the 90s sunny <laughs> nice jealous yeah well you can you can visit we got disney world here bring the family you know maybe soon i'll let you know if i'm coming <laughs> jason loves music reacting is here he said any of y'all drive for skip park i technically yeah i i'm in with skip cart but the zone coverage is down by like Orlando, Orlando, and I'm like 20 miles north of Orlando, and I try to stay up here. I don't really like to go down there. It's too much traffic, and so I think I've done, like, you could probably count on one hand the number of skip cart orders I've done. They so actually sure. got rid of it in my area. I signed up for it because it was available, and I was on it for two weeks, and then they said, it is no longer available in your area. Sorry for the inconvenience, <laughs> and I just never even did them since. Yeah, it's I don't get it. It's just like this crappy white label ser delivery service. I mean, technically, it's kind of like roadie or dispatch or something, but it's all the orders I have gotten that were like 7-Eleven, all, all three of them. <laughs> All right, I guess you want to jump into the news. We got a lot of stuff that cover affects all of us. So, There's last no week 
Or I said last Thursday, the one I, the show I did with Steve was the the all bad news show. This one is well, it's not the opposite, but it's not not the opposite. But there there is some good news in this show. So let's uh this this uh here's our first our top story from the New York Post. New York City moves to crack down on dark stores operated by fast delivery apps. There's Getter. All right, so sorry, I thought this was zoomed in further. Can you guys read this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Stop, dude. Mayor Eric Adams is moving to crack down on the proliferation of warehouse like spaces that grocery delivery apps have created inside former Big Apple storefronts. Oh, it's coming from Kim. That, that sound is coming from your side. So I just muted your mic. All right. Anyway, sorry to, to interrupt. Mayor Eric Adams is going to crack down on the proliferation of warehouse-like spaces that grocery delivery apps have created inside former Big Apple storefronts, ordering them to allow customers to shop there or move to the outskirts of the city post has learned. Critics, including city council members Gail Brewer and Christopher Mart, have argued that storefronts operated by apps like GoPuff and Gorillas violate zoning laws because they operate mostly as warehouses and should therefore move out of neighborhood zone for retail use. In response, some of the stores recently began allowing walk-in customers in an ad hoc manner. This week, the Department of Buildings issued more specific guidance on how the storefronts can continue to do business, saying they must allow shoppers to enter, pick up items, or place an order without requiring them to first download an app. Businesses that don't allow shoppers to enter the store and to purchase goods on the spot would be relegated to areas of city zone for manufacturing, a Department of Buildings spokesperson told the Post. Um, it goes on a little bit, but I mean, you got the gist of it. It's New York City. I can't believe it. Like it, these people hate business for some reason. It's like, and there was actually two related stories to this where they were talking about like, you know, um, back in February and March, it was like, you know, they don't like this uh, crack house um, vibe that these dark stores are operating. And like they're saying, oh well, this is essentially warehouses, and like these are retail and you know neighborhood areas, not not warehouse areas. And it's just like, come on, man, isn't it good enough that they're you know getting commerce and creating jobs and people are getting food? So, uh, Hannibal, since this is your literally your neck of the woods, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I was uh, looking through the article to see who's complaining about this. Like maybe like the, you know the average person that lives in a neighborhood complaining. Like I was just trying to figure it out. It just seems like some sticklers for you know the rules or regulations or whatever. But I didn't see anything that necessarily screams that there's a problem. I'm assuming that the either there's other stores, other businesses that are having a problem with this and cutting away from their profits, so they want to move these other. To, you know these other places out of the way uh, that's the only thing i can think of when i'm looking at the story i didn't see anything that's i mean again it's, it's you gotta follow the rules right the zoning laws whether it's retail or not you can't you know you can't do whatever you want but I, did, I was looking to see what exactly is a big problem we have so many problems in this city the crime issues the, you know you can't go on a subway without worrying about being attacked there's so many issues but this is where you know the mayor is trying to stamp down on it's just a lot of waste of energy, in my opinion. What do you think, Kim? I kind of agree with Hannibal. I just, you know, as long as they're following the rules and regulations that they're designed to to do, then who really cares what business they're operating under? But, you know, to Hannibal's point, you know, if 
if there's more, there's more, I feel like there's bigger fish to fry than, you know, the go puffs out there in the world and other operations operating the same way. Yeah. yeah Cause usually they'll have like a crime or something to use as an example. Like, Oh, this is why we're doing it because they're selling crack out of these warehouses. They're like, all right, yeah. you know, yeah, you're right. You can't, let's get this going. Let's get this eliminated. If they're doing other like illegal activities in the warehouse, if there's literally people going in to get like chip chips, like, really? This is what we're going to spend our time doing? Like, all right. I mean, so be it. When I, when I was reading the article, like, it sounded like they were legitimate businesses. They just weren't operating the way that the city wanted them to operate. Yeah, because so yeah. they're dark legit. So I was a little confused by that. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because, you know, I've never really been in one. But I'm like, as long it, it sounded like a convenience store, but also delivery as well. So as long as people can go in and get what they want, it, you know, to me, it's a dual purpose. So yeah, I don't know. I, I I've like seen, was- like, I've, I've walked by uh, Gold Puff and Gorilla stores. The problem is they're not as, they don't look like a store. It kind of, it does look like a warehouse. You just walk into a building. Um, but that could be arranged in, a lot of them have the sign saying go puff or whatever. So, you know, yeah, it just doesn't look like a regular gro- like convenience store. You walk in, but mm-hmm. y- you look inside, there's a bunch of chips and snacks in there. So it's not, you know, out of the realm of, okay, but this is what they're doing in there. So I, I think what I think is some other businesses are complaining and they want them pushed out the way so they yeah. can get business. That's the only thing I can think of. I, I was going to say, they don't, this is going to be a self it's kind of a, a solution in search of a problem because as we've mentioned on the show already, like 15, 20 clothes, bike clothes, fridge, no more clothes. Apparently Joker is either in financial straits or they're going to close. So uh, it looks like it's just going to come down to, it's going to be another duopoly of gorillas and Gopuff Cause they're the only companies that have actual, you know, enough money behind them that they can still do this. Kim, I don't, you don't do uh, you're not in with Gopuff, are you? I'm not. No, the closest GoPuff was like 25, 30 minutes from my house. So I felt like it was just too far away for me to even think about doing it. But it is in New Jersey, just not around the area that I'm normally at. Yeah, that's I'm actually in with GoPuff, but I've never actually worked for them. (laughs) They opened a new warehouse or dark store or whatever, about 20 minutes from me. But again, it's going south. And um, it's funny because like it's in the same area where there's that Whole Foods which I used to do uh, all the time on Amazon Flex. I haven't had a, a Whole Foods order in months and months and months. I don't know what's going on with that, but that's the subject. That's a, that's a different story. Anyway, we're going long on this one. Let's move on to something a little more interesting. Our favorite app, DoorDash. Revenue rose 35% last quarter as consumers continue to order in. Food delivery companies' growth stems or slows from pandemic peaks. All right, so DoorDash revenue rose last quarter, showing that consumers stuck to getting food and household essentials delivered even as more restaurants and stores reopen. Revenue from three months ended March grew 35% to $1.46 billion from a year earlier. The rate of growth for the quarter marked a sharp slowdown. The company's revenue nearly tripled year over year in the corresponding quarters in 2021 and 2020. Um, rival Uber Eats revenue Growth slowed to 12% in the first quarter from nearly tripling the same period a year earlier. Order volume grew at DoorDash and Uber Eats, but orders placed on Amazon, uh, sorry, on America's third largest food delivery app, Grubhub, fell during the first quarter. Grubhub is up for sale less than a year after agreed to be, we'll, we'll cover them 
soon. DoorDash has been one of the biggest winners of the pandemic. The app share in the food delivery market in the U.S. jumped to 57% in March from 44% two years ago. Analysts say the company outflanked its rivals thanks to strong delivery network in the suburbs, a wide selection of restaurants, and greater efficiency in delivering the food itself. DoorDash expanded its options during the health crisis to include grocers and convenience stores, pinging customers as they wait as they paid for food to ask them if they also wanted household items from a nearby store. Value of orders placed on its platform grew 25%, order volume more than tripled in the same period a year ago. DoorDash's future growth will depend on whether restaurants can handle demands for delivery while taking care of returning diners, particularly as restaurants struggle with staffing. Um, DoorDash shares were down more than 40% this year as of Wednesday's close, more than double the decline in NASDAQ composite index. So this is kind of good news, bad news. I mean, it's good news like, DoorDash, well, I mean, it's good news for DoorDash, um, that they've actually, it said they have a 57% market share, which means they have more than everybody else put together. And like, they're making a lot of money, but their stock is still continuing to go down, you know? So it, it doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, I'm not like, you know, freaking uh, Jim Cramer or Peter Schiff or one of those guys, but it seems to me like if they're making a lot of money, you know, why, why is there, why is their stock keep going down? I feel like they're spending money to gain money, if that makes any sense. So I don't think they're seeing the the increase that or the revenue that they want to because they keep spending money in order to increase their money and their revenue. So I feel like they're just breaking even. But that could be one of the reasons why their stock prices are not rising. They're decreasing. I don't know. I think that, um, well, all the tech stocks are getting like destroyed. Um, I keep looking at my Robinhood app and I'm just getting really, really sad. Uh, things are just getting, uh, everything's just dropping. Everything is dropping. So it's something that either the market is kind you know, the inflation is still out of control. Uh, people's earnings, earnings of, you know, everyday people like you know, us are not reaching the inflation levels. So we're, none of us are making necessarily a lot of money. Um, I think DoorDash, just like the rest of the tech stocks, there's something on the horizon that I guess everyone is kind of worried, um, especially with DoorDash. You know, not a lot of people are talking about it, but there's supposed to be some potential food shortages. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. going on where maybe people are not just very optimistic about the future and they're just going, they're being a little bullish, or oh, I'm sorry, bearish on the DoorDash uh, stock and the rest of them as well. Yeah. I, I own a few shares of DoorDash and it's funny because. And I keep buying a little bit more all the time and, and Uber and, you know, I buy all the big gig, big tech companies, you know, and I, I buy a lot of food stock too. Um, and I'm like, it's got to rebound at some point, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't honestly, and I, I think Hannibal and I had a conversation about this, you know, what was it last week, maybe the week before that, that I actually don't have any stock in, um, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Lyft, any of them. I'm a dividend investor personally. So to me, it's it's not what I'm doing currently in the stock market. So mm -hmm. I just believe in dividend investing is definitely the better way to go, at least for me. And just because you get a better return on your money. What's yeah. the Coca-Cola, AT&T? <laughs> I'm more into like monthly dividend investing, oh, just yeah. so you get like a monthly you know, a monthly, mm. monthly, you get, always get a stream of income coming back into your pocket. Gotcha. I know it's funny. I like every once in a while, I see my, I, I use cash app to buy and sell everything. And every once in a while it'll say like, you earned an eight cent 
dividend or something, you know, but so, cause like I only buy like a little bit at a time. I'm not like buying a whole stock, like, you know, like Amazon is like $2,500 a share. It's like, I can't afford to do that all at once, but that's, what's cool is like, you can just throw, you can buy like five bucks, you know, and just buy that much of a share. But anyway, um, let's move on to our next story. It's also wall street related and another, Back-to-back Wall Street Journal articles. I actually paid to get a Wall Street Journal subscription, so no ads. Uh, so this sounds a lot like the last story. Uber's revenue doubles, but stock falls after Lyft warns of higher driver costs. Uber's revenue more than doubled last quarter as demand for rides rebounded from the downturn caused by COVID-19, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Uber said Wednesday that its driver base was at a post-pandemic high, and it didn't need to spend heavily on to boost supply. Is that a rhyme? <laughs> Many ride-sharing drivers switched to delivering food because uh, during the pandemic, Uber said that because it has a food delivery business, it was better positioned to entice drivers to switch to ferrying customers again. Lyft doesn't have a delivery arm. That's true. Both companies' shares have underperformed this year on worries that rising gas prices, labor shortages, and new COVID-19 variants could weigh on their growth. Uber and Lyft shares are down about 30% this year through Tuesday's close compared with 20% de- decline in NASDAQ. Um was that, uh, Uber's first quarter loss widened to 5.93 billion from 108 million a year earlier. The loss came from its stakes in Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi Global, Southeast Asia's Grab Holdings, and Aurora Invita- Innovation. The loss was wider than the 494 million that analysts expected. Yeah, that's a that's a huge. That's like a ten or thousand fold. Um, I think I don't know. Somebody fact checking on I'm that. I'm terrible, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Uber's adjusted earnings of $168 million for last quarter came in higher than Wall Street's projection. The company said it expects to be cash flow positive on a full-year basis this year. And then they just kind of re- uh, recap what's been going on for the last year or so. Um, but yeah, so this sounds a lot like the last story. And if you saw the show I did with Steve on uh, Thursday, you know, Lyft, you know, had a really bad quarter and their shares went way down. Actually, I, I, last time I checked, Uber was actually worth a little bit more than Lyft. The last time I checked before that, they were like neck and neck. They're a difference of like a few dollars. But now I think Uber is like 30 or $40 and Lyft is like 20. Nice. Well, not uh, nice actually. I think <laughs> uh, with, you know, driver costs increasing because obviously what's happening right now, um, used cars, I just looked this up. Used cars, the prices have increased 60% from year from 2019, a year before the pandemic. 60%. Now it's still now it's up 14% from last year. So it's still expensive just to for the car price. Obviously, that means every other part of the car is going to be increased. You still got to deal with the gas. My gas has increased. I don't know. Uh Kim, has your your gas costs have jumped from last week? Is mine's jumped? Yeah, it's actually up to 4.30, anywhere from like 4.35 to 4.59. And I was sitting around like 4.27, 4.29. So it did jump up 20, maybe 20 cents, 25 cents, depending on kind of where you go. So yeah, it was definitely an increase going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. It jumped like 20, 30 cents overnight. I was going to fill up yesterday and I should have because I was out today. It was like four. It was like I think it was like three ninety nine yesterday, and then like today wow. I saw it was like four twenty nine or something. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I don't think I've on. seen three ninety nine, and I can't <laughs> even tell you how many months. <laughs> <laughs> it's those blue states. They 
they charge you to live there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, all right. So we talked about DoorDash. We talked about Uber Eats. So to complete the Grub Dash Eats trilogy, we got talked about Grubhub or more specifically Just Eat Takeaway. And you know, if you thought the news wasn't bad enough, it just it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> so, Just Eat Takeaway takes away chairman, investigates COO weighs Grubhub sale as meal delivery cools down. This is from TechCrunch, which is weird. This is like a blank. Hey, it's like reading viewers. I don't know how I got this, but that's cool. The company today said its chairman, Adrian Nunn, is leaving the company effective today. This is from a few days ago. As the company pushes to refocus itself and its CEO, Jörg Gerbig, has also stepped away from his role as on the management board because he is being investigated for inappropriate behavior in the company's words, possible personal misconduct. Just Eat Takeaway also confirmed to TechCrunch that is still exploring divestment options for Grubhub. The U.S. business paid $7.3 billion to acquire less than a year ago. Just Eat Takeaway announced the two executive changes just ahead of its annual general meeting, where both had been scheduled to be reappointed to their roles. While the two executive announcements are unrelated to each other, together they contribute to a picture of a company facing a wide set of challenges at the moment. The bigger picture for Jet is that demand in the food delivery business has been wilting, and the rush of startups that raised hundreds of millions of dollars to build their businesses around it went public on the back of early growth and then danced when business boomed during the pandemic are all now feeling the pain. They just kind of recap what's happened in the last year. So, um, yeah, this was, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record. I mean, we know what's going on. Jet bought a total lemon. <laughs> they got a total lemon when they bought Grubhub. Um, and now, like, uh, I mean, I don't think now there's any like precedent. Point the CEO is the problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, what's going on is with that, that and especially with the cat rock is like the, this, uh, group of investors that together they own they only own like six percent of jet stock and they've been raised on hell for like the last month saying that they they wanted a, a major shakeup at the jet board so i think like that one executive getting fired is probably a direct result of that and then the other one who is i guess he's getting me to it or something um that's that's just quite a coincidence so um it seems like these guys are they, I don't know. They just not know what they're doing. And with, with Grubhub, like what I was saying is like, there's no precedent for this. Like I can't imagine anybody's going to buy Grubhub because they're going to want to make their money back. 7.3 billion, you know, like who, who's going to like, I mean, they can see the same news reports that we see. We, they know the sales are going down. The stock price is in the toilet. Um, you know, who, who would want to buy that? So, I mean, but, so like it's just one day grubhub not going to be around anymore or, or is it just going to contract and contract and contract and just be as like insignificant as like waiter and bite squad or, or some of those local uh you know delivery apps uh steve and i talked about last week so what do you guys think i i think it can either go two ways it's either grubhub will go away. Um, I've seen it happen with other companies that they try to sell off a piece of their company, especially like retailers, and then no one wants to buy them. And then they go into bankruptcy and then they finally close. So I hope that's not the case for Grubhub. Um, at the same time, who is who's going to buy Grubhub? I don't, you know, it should be interesting to see if there's even an investor out there willing to take on Grubhub. I just feel like Grubhub hasn't evolved the same way that Uber Eats and DoorDash 
has with grocery shopping and food delivery. Like they're just not evolving. They're just sticking yeah. to the food delivery business. And it, I think that's kind exactly. of their downfall of what's happening to them right now. Yeah. That, that's what I said with Steve. And like, it's just, it's just an old story of just whoever is first to market, like they don't feel the need to innovate. I mean, look at like what happened with MySpace or like what is happening now with like Facebook and other big tech things is like, yeah, you're first to market, but then are like, look at what's happened with Twitter. You know, they built this big empire and then they just fucked it up, you know? So now Elon's got to come in and buy them out. So, and it's something I was saying, I forget if I said it on the show or off mic, but I said Grubhub or Jet should hire Elon to bring him in for like a week. Just show him the books and just ask them what to do. You know, he doesn't have to buy the company, but just bring him in as a consultant, you know, because he would probably be able to figure it out. So what do you think, Hannibal? I, th I think at this point, just uh, eat main or jet main just need to take the L and sell it. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, realizing it's going to, you know, just like a brand new car or some kind of mansion you bought, you spend too much money on it. No one wants to buy it because it's not very use useful. Just sell it as cheap as you can. You can hold up as much. Like you said, everyone knows that you, you this was a lemon was brought. Try to sell it, right? Like instead of trying to find ways to get a new, uh, try to, I mean, maybe they also, I'm going to turn this around. Maybe they could have to try to fix this. Bring in new personnel. Bring in some visionary person, like you said, Elon, up, but someone that can turn around. I don't know, $7 billion is a lot of money. So maybe they have to do that. But even when selling the company, what is the value from Grub, uh, Grubhub? Like, what's the value? Do they have the data? Do they have information? Do yeah. they have what? What value do they have for, let's say, for instance, DoorDash? Because it, you know, they like spending money to buy it. Like, what are what's the value proposition to to buy Grubhub? Um, I don't know what that is. It would be yeah. interesting to see how many cross customers they have and whether it would be worth getting their client base to be put into the mix of whatever other food delivery platform that they have. Yeah. Cause Grubhub does decent in New York city, probably nowhere else. Well, I'm sure other places, <laughs> but New York city, yeah. um, obviously we came out. I don't know how much Grubhub you, you, you get, uh, at least decent offers that you take, but, um, they did well here with, with other, um, little small, uh, services like seamless they bought that out like little small eateries here so they do decent here but i'm assuming yeah. other other parts of the country they're not doing so well i got a i got a grubhub i got a bunch in today that were paying like between 15 and 20 dollars but the mileage was also like 15 to 20 25 miles like going way out into the middle of nowhere and like this is why the company's going under is because they're dumb enough to you know, you don't pay a driver 20 bucks to go. First of all, you shouldn't be delivering a 15 mile radius, you know, like five, 10 miles tops, yeah. you know, and you, you know that like 10 other drivers turned that order down and um, I didn't take it. I mean, it was really tempting. I mean, it's you see like when you see double digits on the Grub Dash Eats, like you almost immediately jump on it. But then, well, I mean, Hannibal wouldn't have this problem. Maybe Kim, but you know, here in Florida, you know, cause you know, there's just, I'm all suburbs. So I can go like 20 miles in any direction and you're like in farm country, dirt roads. <laughs> um, but you know, up there, I mean, I can't imagine you're going to get an order where you are for like Trenton or something. 
<laughs> no, I won't get Trenton, <laughs> Trenton yeah. at all. I'm um, trying to think of like, what's a, I don't know. I don't know New Jersey geography. Like, so <laughs> let's just say like two or three counties away or uh, one yeah. county away. With Grub, I feel like Grubhub, I always say, is my, I treat it as my third app. Like, I'll turn yeah. it on, but my acceptance rate, I'll be honest, is like 8%, 7%, yeah. just because I use it cherry picking through like those really good, like $17 orders, $24 orders. And as soon as they come in, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. It might be worth 10 miles. I don't mind doing miles as long as the money is worth it you just i just use it for those big orders and kind of picking through and weeding through them in order to get to the good ones i'm wondering that's one of the biggest issues with grubhub is the way they assign the order so the algorithm is not as um it's not as effective as the other two and sometimes uber eats sometimes send you long distance orders so i'm wondering like again so we, you know, someone who wants to buy that, buying a system where they're sending people offers to go ridiculously long distances that most people don't take. Again, why would someone want to spend seven billion dollars, even five billion, or even three billion on this company? Yeah, we definitely need a lot of tech help. That I will say. I mean, I feel like they're very far behind in their their tech world to even come close to DoorDash or Uber Eats, especially with you know, dispatching, getting drivers to the restaurants. I feel like that's their biggest, besides miles, like that's their biggest opportunity because that's to me between the miles and the wait times is the two most frustrating parts. I don't even turn Grubhub on on the weekends because I know I want to turn orders quickly. And I'm like, there's no way if I turn on Grubhub, I'll get an order done and quickly and move on like I would with Uber Eats and DoorDash. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I don't know how much more we can keep beating this dead horse. So, I mean, it's kind of fun though. So <laughs> anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back in a few seconds. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The driver's utility helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right, let's move on. This is, you know, since we were talking about uh, GoPuff in the first story, this is again, another from the Wall Street Journal, so I'm glad I paid for a subscription. This is a, a little interview that they did with uh, Raphael Elish Javier, co-founder. Uh, so Fast Delivery, GoPuff's co-CEO and what will work and what won't. So Raphael is the co-CEO of GoPuff, the instant needs company co-founded in Philadelphia in 2013. Today, the company delivers a variety of goods from snacks and toiletries to meals and alcohol. In 30 minutes or less in more than 1,000 cities worldwide, GoPuff has raised $1.5 billion and is valued at $15 billion. As a result of Bo yeah, GoPuff's business model um, and relatively long term, long tenure in fast delivery, Mr. I, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his last name, as an unusual viewpoint on what works and what's economical among the emerging technologies powering the present and future of delivery. So they, they ask him about drone delivery, autonomous vehicles, e-bikes, robotics, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just going to read 
you guys can read the whole article if you want link in the show notes i just want to read like a few select quotes out of here so he says i think drone delivery specifically is going to be really tough for in an urban environment yeah but it's going to be a lot easier in a suburban environment uh we're a lot more years away from being able to really commercialize drone delivery in a massive way than we are with autonomous vehicle delivery where there's a whole host of companies that are doing it today um and they ask him about Delivery side and gig economy side, do you, really, do you think that eventually you're going to have more full and part-time workers or do you think you will retain gig workers? And he said, we have a really unique case with our driver partners here in the U.S. where if our driver partner wants to be a full-time employee, they can. Uh, but what is practically happening is most of the drivers are electing not to do that because they want to have the flexibility from a workplace perspective. What sets us apart really from everyone else is there is a standard to your workday when you're coming back to the same MFC, that's a micro-fulfillment center, not something vulgar <laughs> and you're dealing with GoPuff employees every single day and not, you know, an angry or frustrated restaurant worker. And you can deliver a lot more on a per hour basis than you can anywhere else because they have a central pickup point. So you need a lot less drivers to do a lot more deliveries. Um, so then they ask him about the micro fulfillment centers, which are urban areas, which, you know, dovetails with our first story about New York city doing something about it. Um, and he said, we've got to make sure that we can comply from a zoning perspective because of all the different categories that we interact. We build a lot of software ahead of time to really make sure that when we're looking at a space, we're not wasting any time. You saw our requirements. And they say on the customer side, uh, how is changing nature of work and where work is done? The rise of remote work, work from home, blah, 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 blah. Having an, he said, a lot of people live in urban environments, move to suburban environments. We call it urban adjacencies. They're suburbs that are immediately outside the big city. We saw a massive move into these urban adjacent markets and frankly, places where we don't really have great coverage. So we made it a pretty big grace to make sure that we could still serve the customer. All right. So um, it wasn't anything outrageous in this article, except for this part here where he said, um, you can get a lot more deliveries per hour than you can ever else because they have a central pickup point. So you need a lot less drivers. I, I, I really disagree with this because that's the, the problem with GoPuff is when you have everything in one warehouse is like, yeah, you would get a route and you would like fill up your car with like, kind of like how Amazon flex is. Um, we just fill up your car with bags and you go deliver them all or like on Walmart spark with the, the dot com orders where you get a route of like, I don't know, anywhere from like six to like 10 or something. But you have to go, you have to deadhead all the way back to the GoPuff warehouse and you don't get paid for those miles. Um, and, and like they offer more or less the same services as Grub Dash Eats, you know? And so what I like better as a Grub Dash Eats driver is that as soon as I drop off somebody's pizza, you know, then I can get an order in for McDonald's or you know you know taco shop or whatever like around the corner i don't have to deadhead all the way back i mean i kind of get it i'm actually surprised like i think these micro fulfillment centers they would work but only if you had one like every like if there was a micro fulfillment center as as there are as many as there are like walmarts or mcdonald's that would make sense when you when you have like one warehouse in a county let's just say like that's that's not efficient Am I wrong? No, I, I, you know, I would agree. I mean, they would need a lot more warehouses for it to be efficient. I guess, you know, I do Walmart Spark. So when I think about those dot-com orders, like you're a lot, like once you choose to do them and I'm assuming Amazon Flex would be like, you're locked in for 
almost like a two hour block. I'm, you know, Amazon Flex and Chad, you would know this better. It would probably be a four hour block if I'm not mistaken or a three hour block, but like you're locked in. If you're doing food delivery, you can stop and go as you please. So I don't know how more convenient it is for a driver just based off of your, you're, you're in it for a, a while once you start it. Yep. What do you think? I haven't I haven't ordered anything from GoPuff. I haven't I don't have a lot of uh I guess experience with GoPuff, but thinking about what you know a few lines from this article, they shouldn't try to be a DoorDash trying to deliver to everyone to you know everyone. Even yeah. I don't know why they bother to go to suburbs. I think they should stick with highly densely populated areas, try to get as much fulfillment centers in those areas, work hard in New York and LA and these places where you couldn't get you can get these deliveries done quickly um as for the drivers i think it's i think it's a w2 job if i'm not correct right for GoPuff, like it's a both they have both options available no it's um well yeah i mean i guess they have both but they don't really actually you know who just started with GoPuff is it's uh, well, he's bulldog delivers now he did a video right. about GoPuff a week or two ago i think gig mom does GoPuff. I don't know if she does it anymore, but I remember definitely seeing a video of hers. I, I remember um, a couple of months ago seeing some videos and some people are doing well. And then, you know, I think maybe a year or two, well, a year ago, me and Chad would would read a bunch of negative GoPuff articles. Yeah, yeah. Um, people who work in the fulfillment centers were not having a good time. They had managers not even listening to them or scheduling them off things, uh, scheduling them in spots they weren't supposed to or they requested not to. So it wasn't necessarily, again, Every fulfillment center and supervisors are different, but we didn't get a lot of positive articles about the working experience of, of yeah. doing GoPuff. So I think GoPuff only works on an employee model. That's what I'm I don't saying. think it yeah. works as it like because like like in your city, Joker, Getter, you know, all that this stuff. W two jobs. Yeah, and but it, so like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, and like they're like right like right here in the greater Orlando area. Like I said, they they built one down in Altamont Springs, which is it's about 10, 15 miles north of the city city, but it's still a pretty densely populated suburban area. So there's probably a, enough. Well, I guess time will tell. Cause I, I, I really don't think GoPuff they've been trying to say that they're the future. And like we covered last week, like Instacart is now they're trying their own MFCs where it's going to be on a GoPuff model. Like they're piloting it in Atlanta and uh, Miami. That can sort of work on that type of model, but again, I think you would have to go to W two drivers. I don't think it would work as on a gig basis. Yeah, like a Domino's kind of model. Um, yeah. I think you remember another article that uh, we talked about months ago, how inefficient some of the fulfillment centers are. That these yeah, where they were centers. throwing away food. Yeah, yeah, but food so is getting wasted. It's spoiling. You got to throw it out. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of food being thrown out. Like. So they're not like they have to get that sorted out as well. But supply and demand, I understand if there's storefronts in New York City and people are seeing it in New York City, they get what it is. But in like suburban areas, do they even know what GoPuff is? Like, do, is there a big enough supply and demand for it to be like that big? I, I just don't I don't even I you don't hear people even talking about it as people you know, oh, I'm going to order from GoPuff. Like, you don't yeah, even yeah. hear people talking I, I agree, yeah. That's a, it's a terrible name. It it just makes you think it's like delivery 
vapes or cigarettes or something. You got you got you know. Joker, gorillas. I I don't know. Like they got all sorts of well, you got the European names. I don't know if Goldpuff came from overseas. I, I, I said this in other shows. I'm like, right, let's say I talk to this Raphael dude on the phone. I'd be like, why would I order from Gopuff when I can order DoorDash in, from 7-Eleven and it'll be here in 10 minutes? You know, and the like, drone like, thing not gonna happen here. Yeah, I, a lot I, of people I would love to live in the world of the Fifth Element. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. I love that movie. The best part of the movie was like how futuristic everything is. Everyone's flying around. Like, we'll never get to that point. It's so there was uh, concerns. I mean, the idea of a drone flying around somewhere. I mean, we can't even fly a kite in New York City. Can't fly a kite. We're gonna have drones. I saw an awesome. I saw an awesome video about that. Um, I think it was on Cheddar. You ever watch them? I can't remember if it was Cheddar or Polymeter. Is that a TV, it's a, a TV channel or something? It's, a, it's on. Uh, it's on. Uh, well, it's here on YouTube. Oh, here it is. Tech Quickie. Well, I don't think that's the one I saw, but Tech Quickie. Uh, that dude right there with the beard. Why drone delivery never took off? I, there was another right. one. Oh, here it is. Oh, Wendover Productions. That's a good. See the orange one there? The failure of drone delivery. So this was three months ago. Drone delivery was supposed to be the future. What went wrong? So yeah, check out that video. That'll explain why like not even Amazon could get drone delivery going. So, I mean, yeah, some people said, uh, Kyle said it's a pipe dream. Um, I I think it can be a reality. It's just not, the pieces aren't in place yet. So, all right, let's move on. Some more uh, politics. Sorry, this one's kind of a snoozer. And this is from Bloomberg Tax. <laughs> um, so you might remember that uh, in, in Amazon, uh, Amazon, in Massachusetts, they have a their own equivalent of Prop 22. It's going to be a, a ballot proposal this coming November. Well, apparently that's getting challenged. So I'm kind of bringing you up to speed here. So it says Uber Lyft back gig initiative meets wary Massachusetts court. Massachusetts voters may not realize casting a ballot in favor of an initiative that cements gig workers' status as independent contractors could shield app-based companies from liability for accidents that involve third parties. Several of the state's high court justices suggested on a hearing on Wednesday. Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court is considering a challenge to a ballot initiative backed up by companies including Uber and DoorDash that would designate app-based delivery and ride-hailing drivers as independent contractors while providing some benefits and guarantees for minimum wage. A coalition of worker advocates and drivers challenged Attorney General Maura Healy's certification of the proposal for the ballot, contending they violate the state's constitution because the questions posed to voters would include unrelated subjects and fail to inform voters about what the proposal will do. Um, I'm just going to skip down here. Tort Shield and Wednesday's hearing, M. Patrick Moore, an attorney for the challengers, told the justices that the companies backing the initiatives are attempting to connect ideas like driver flexibility and freedom with benefits, which may seem appealing to voters, behind the, that the measure would also be a shield from tort liability. Uh, Jesse Voodoo, somebody has a real name, Voodoo, that's cool, <laughs> from the Massachusetts Attorney General's office, said the state disagrees with the interpretation that ballot issue would create a liability shield for the companies. is not think that a concern should block ballot certification. So if you want all the details, link in the show notes. Um, you know who's a good source on this? Steve at Rideshare Rodeo, which actually you guys just co-hosted for him. Yeah, I was going to really say that. Like, that's a lot. I was of listening words. to your show while Steve I was doing Amazon because he could break it down. To yeah, 
He is so knowledgeable about a lot of state laws and regulations regarding Prop 22, and he he's so knowledgeable. So he would probably be the best person to answer a lot of these questions. Yeah. All right. So I the mean, liability shield, right? So ideally, like, what's your thoughts? Like, all right, I'm a DoorDash driver. I get into an accident. Should, like, I'm trying to think, like, should DoorDash be responsible? Like, someone could lie with soup against me, but really, because I'm, I right now, I was contracting for DoorDash. Is that what should happen, or should it be more on me because I'm driving the car? It's you know, hopefully I have commercial insurance. Wink, wink. You know, I haven't. That, I, the best you know. way to answer, I would have to see what the actual proposition is as far as that. So I'm not really sure. I mean, I'm sure it's kind of like how it is right now. It's like you know, you crash with somebody's pizza in your car. It's that's on you. It's really not on DoorDash. That's like, what I'm saying. Like, what will be yeah. your Ideally, it would be just on me, right? I'm an independent contractor, so if if something would happen, hopefully I'm insured, but it's on me if I get into an accident, right? Like, I, yeah. I'm just remember uh, one of our first shows last summer? We were showing a local news report about a DoorDasher that, as soon as she dropped off the person's food, she like bumped into them in the driveway, so that yeah, and the, yeah the, the customer he called DoorDash trying to get the driver's name and number, and they wouldn't give it to him. So he had to sue DoorDash, and then they then they gave him her information. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. By the way, I forgot to mention, I was drinking um, some Evan Williams bourbon in root beer. It's actually a good combo. You think of like you know Coke in rum, or like Coke. You think of like you know Coke, Pepsi, and then any you know bourbon, whiskey, a scotch, whatever. Did you finish the but, glass though? Yeah, I mean, well, it was only a shot of, uh, it was only a shot of bourbon. I was like, the the rest was uh, root beer. Okay, you you have like that vanilla flavor. (laughs) You have the vanilla flavor from the root beer, and then you have the vanilla flavor from the bourbon. I gotta try that though. That actually sounds really good. Yeah, drinking some uh, water. Yeah, go ahead. So let's let's get. This is the reason I brought uh, Kim in. Uh, This is from North Shore News. That's where I get all my news. Blind women's realities. Uber and DoorDash put workers at risk, find BC researchers. All right, so uh, let's see. Blind women's realities. Gig working apps like Uber, DoorDash, and TaskRabbit leave workers and f- at financial and personal risk, says a new study. The study, co-authored by researchers from the University of British Columbia, the University of California, and Carnegie Mellon University, conducted interviews with 20 gig workers <laughs> in the U.S. and Canada, asking them about their unique experiences how they think their gender identity affects how they work on the gig platforms, how they cope with bias and harassment. The researchers found gig worker platforms don't actively discriminate against gender, but instead offer themselves up as gender agnostic. In reality, they found such platforms treat men's experiences as the norm, making them blind to women's realities. Man, they say it like three times. One woman who has spent five years as an Uber driver told the researcher she had received little training to help navigate her job. Well, that's because they can't train you because if they did, you'd be an employee, not a contractor. They don't teach you about safe practices or best practices. Nothing, absolutely nothing, so you wing it. That's not true. Lyft makes you watch all these you know, videos before you can start. I think Uber does too. Um I'm just going to skip down here from ride sharing and food delivery services to applications that offer home services tasks, such as cleaning and handiwork. Women make up about half of all gig workers in North America on platforms like task The researchers say many customers who are women prefer a worker, the same gender to come to their house 
but the platform does not allow users to filter in that way because they can't because that'd be a violation of the civil rights act and then it gets into all these like very woke quotes and uh so um first of all my criticism of this is 20 they interviewed 20 people that's a lot that is a lot of information you get from you need a few more digits there like multiply that by 10 you know, that is honest, not a sample size. I was reading this article and I was shaking my head. I'm like, so 20 women speak for all of the 50% <laughs> of gig workers that are out there. And the whole training thing, yes, Uber does train you. I, th I think there was like a five video training you have to go through, but that's not something you teach. Like I, I come from the service industry and customer service did anybody ever train me on someone throwing an article of clothing at me or someone <laughs> had spit at me once like there's no training in that like you know what to me you know what you get yourself into at least i knew what i was getting myself into by doing gig work i'm not blind to it and i feel like it's an excuse to be honest with you i i'm just not a i didn't believe in what they were saying yeah what are you thinking yeah, it just seems like um, they're they're making it seem like there's there's a part of the job or part of the gig that they can't handle. Or I, I'm trying to understand what what they're trying to say that there's risk with everything with contract work. And yes, I think it would be nice if there was a little bit more information out there. But like you know, like you said, and many people say, like if they start to train you, then you're no longer an independent contractor. You are an employee. And I, I would say for one aspect of food delivery or even ride share, they don't want they don't stress a lot about the negatives, though, about it. It's a lot of, you know, especially trying to get you to join. It's really positive. It's super easy. You're not going to go through anything. And I think that probably could put some naive people, men and women going into this and making mistakes and or being too trusting or certain things that you just learn through hard experience when you when you are gullible or naive and then you realize you made a mistake like i wish those things can be alleviated quickly especially when you're doing you outside by yourself but in terms of you know a study of 20 people that's even embarrassing to even write that article like 20 yeah. that's not enough to really like they i'm sure even... they talked to some someone that at 20 said i'm fine is it but no. what, I, what I'm wondering is that it's an on is the study still ongoing or is it concluded? Because like even that, you know, because I went to quite a few colleges <laughs> and I know like that's a hasty, you know, it's not a, enough of a sample size to be scientific or anything. But and also it's 20 people from three universities. So three universities only interview 20 people like it make to me, it makes absolutely yeah. no yeah. sense. Yeah, and and also crime has been affecting everybody equally. You know, like especially gig work, um, random shootings. Uh, another story that came out maybe maybe a week or two ago, um, a Chinese delivery food driver um, got yeah. shot. Um, Saw that, and he wasn't in. He wasn't necessarily uh, doing DoorDash. He was he was uh, working out of a Chinese restaurant. A disgruntled, I guess, customer did that like randomly, like so. Crime can happen to everybody, you know, but obviously, you know, especially women, you, you know, you're going to, you have to take some extra precautions just, just to how it is. There's a lot of creeps out here, a lot of creeps <laughs> out here. So it's like, you know, you have to kind of be honest with that and I'm not blindly go into certain neighborhoods at certain times of day, even Ben, even me, you know, I used to be out there two, three o'clock in the morning, goofing off, you know, delivering food. I don't do that as much because it, it is a, it is a bit of a safety risk. 
even if I think I feel comfortable, like there is a safety risk if I'm out in a neighborhood at three o'clock in the morning delivering, you know, fast food at that point, you know? I think what I was going to say, gonna say to me, you just have to be, and I say, you just have to be street, like be street smart and think like nothing is worth your life or the risk you put into it. The minute you don't feel comfortable, get, get out of the situation, period. Like there's, exactly. there's safety protocols, even as a woman that I follow every single day, but I also know what I signed up for when I'm doing this, even when I work at night, because I do work at night, but I also know the precautions I'm taking as a woman being out there at night. Is there a risk? There's always risks out there, but I also risk working, you know, retail until 10 o'clock at night too in a mall. So it's, it's, it's everywhere you go, not just gig work. Yeah. What I was going to say is this kind of reminds me of that uh, story a week or a few weeks ago about, they said there was 50, there's been 50 gig worker deaths in the last few years, but then like the, it was authored by gig workers collective, who is a NGO or a lobby or just a, you know, a political organization and I have a feeling like this, when you're coming from like mainstream liberal arts colleges like this, these people are also starting within an agenda or with a, a bias because like, I didn't cover it in the story, but if you read some of the quotes, it's very CRT woke crap, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, if they, if this story had said they interviewed 200 or 2000 people, then that would definitely make it, make me take it more seriously. But 20, you, you need a bigger sample size than that. Agreed. So, um, let's take a quick break. Now, here's where I usually plug Maximo, but I'm, as I mentioned um, in the last few shows, uh, and if you saw if you saw this show last year, I used to run ads for other YouTube channels, and I still have uh, one of them that's uh, still uh, active. So this is, I'm going to play an ad real quick for Delivery TV. Hi, I'm Luis Berti, and I have a YouTube channel called Delivery TV, a channel where we talk everything that have to do with delivery in Spanish. We try to help the Hispanic community to earn more money and be more professional. Thank you. Yeah, so any GigTubers out there that want to make a, you know, 15, 30-second ad commercial trailer or whatever for your channel, uh, let me know. Just send it over. I, like, like I said, I had one last year for Instacart Bulldog, but he changed his name to Bulldog Delivers. So actually, I texted him like a week ago said, if you want to remake that commercial, I'll, you know, I'll re I'll put it back up there. So, um, yeah. So Kim, if you want to make a commercial for your channel, just send it over to me and I'll okay. run it on this show. I'll see what Hannibal, I can doesn't, Hannibal doesn't need a commercial. He's here all the time. So, you know, fair, if you're not following Hannibal, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, our, I, our, our last three stories are all videos. Uh, so let me make sure I share the system audio. All right. So, this one's not especially funny, although the look on that woman's face is pretty funny. <laughs> All right, so this is just a local news story from West Palm Beach in Florida, and I'm just going to play it. I'm Michelle Casada, a local Can you guys hear? A little low. A little low. 
She says Uber Eats refunds the customer and the merchant, but with little explanation about what happened. And they just said, don't worry about it, you're still getting paid. That's not the issue. The issue is I'm upsetting my customer, and it's not right. Customer reviews on Uber Eats' social media account from various cities show similar complaints. A local customer who emailed me said she had a recent experience in West Palm Beach where she didn't receive her order but was given a full refund. An Uber spokesperson said, quote, most orders placed on Uber Eats go off without a hitch thanks to our merchants, delivery people, and customers. A small portion of orders have errors reported by the customer, the delivery person, or the merchant. Uber Eats also says it takes delivery person fraud behavior seriously and enforces a minimum satisfaction rating. If a delivery person has low satisfaction ratings, they will be removed from the platform. At Havana Restaurant, it's good reviews all around. Food delivery services have been a boon for business. We just started it because we're open 24 hours and mostly the night it's been the best. Owner Rafael Perez said Uber Eats deliveries are giving the business a boost at a time where dining seating is still limited due to staffing. It's making it up. It's helping a lot. I mean, I, th I think right now they're number one in deliveries. Zuccarelli agrees the bulk of delivery orders are coming from Uber Eats. She just wants better safeguards to ensure customer satisfaction. It's very, very upsetting and discouraging for the customer and for me that I have to stop what I'm doing and rectify it when it's not even my fault. Michelle Casada, WPTV News Channel 5. I, uh, I mute all of our... Uh our mics during that. So if you guys said anything, I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay. um, this isn't a particularly new story. I mean, I feel like I've seen this before, but you know, it's actually, well, it is new and then it's was, you know, recently published, but anyway, it's like the story of just, it's the, as old as time. It's like it, when you hire anybody with a pulse to do the job, anybody with a pulse will do the job. Cause she was saying yeah. like, you know, she was getting ripped off by Uber Eats drivers and it's, it's, it's sad and angry, you know, or it makes me angry because yeah. these freaking turds have, you know, because Uber DoorDash, all the gig apps have such a low barrier to entry. Um, and actually remember last week or two weeks ago, Hannibal uh, was a DoorDash said, we're proud, we're proud to have a low barrier to entry. So anybody, you know, can uh, get a job with us. It's like, yeah, it shouldn't it be. No, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to include everyone, but you can't include everyone for everything. I, I feel that uh, the restaurant's owner's pain because she's putting a lot of effort in the food that she's making and, and she's taking pride of what she's doing. And, you know, and she's stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. She probably would like to just not deal with Louise and cancel them completely. But she understands that a lot of her income is from people ordering and she's able to get them delivered from Uber Eats. So it's just like a really difficult position. What should she do? Should she just say, hey, you know what? F this. I'm out of here with Uber Eats and potentially <laughs> lose revenue. 
Does she hire drivers? Maybe she she's not able to afford that. So it's it's well, it's a uh, it's really difficult uh, position to be in as a restaurant owner. Restaurant like when that happens to them, that's these are the kind of restaurants that I don't know if this ever happened to you, but sometimes they'll make you sign a random piece of paper, like not a receipt, just something of their own, or they'll say, "Show me your phone. I want to see you." Oh, oh, take your phone or grab your phone yeah. and do it themselves. Yeah, and I actually, I actually went into a restaurant tonight. And I went in and the lady said, let me see your phone. So I had to show her my phone to verify the customer's name. And then she went to the tablet and says, are you Kimberly? And I said, that's me. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, I need to see you hit confirm. And I had actually show her my phone. I hit confirm. And that's how like strict they were. I guess I'm going to assume they got burnt somewhere along the, the line or kept getting burnt. But like, that's now like their procedure that they're like, are you Kimberly? I'm like, yes, it's me. <laughs> yep. And that, even I would say like, even showing them your phone and hitting slide to start, whatever, that still doesn't really do anything because you can still just as easily take the customer's food or whatever. Although I guess they would say like they had that confirmation that they saw the driver, um, you know, that they spoke to him. So they know exactly, but I mean, you, you can make up any story. Like you could say, I just got into a fender bender. And since you're not paying for it, <laughs> you know, what do you care? Uh, I'm not gonna be able to make the delivery. I got into a fender bender. I hit a, I hit a, a, Gorilla, I had a getter driver. <laughs> <laughs> there was a um, an article or a video floating around. It was it last week or two weeks ago. I'm Chad, you might have you might have seen this. That oh, it was over in Europe. They have had someone on an eye ring, you know, delivering their food and then literally dropping it and then coming back and grabbing it and leaving oh, yeah. it. So it got delivered, and I'm like. Man, that's been happening over here for a while. A while now, it's just getting over there. Like, but I feel like it's no matter where you go, like people are always out there to scam something, and it just makes a bad name for our, us as drivers, and it stinks. Yeah, that's why I always say you just have to just put in a little bit of effort, and like you'll pale in comparison, or I guess the other drivers would pale in comparison to you. You know, it's like why I say I'm on my way, or thank you for the tip, and you know, not so much on Grub Dash Sheets, but more like Instacart and stuff like that. Um, so we only got two stories left. And this is a very, very similar one that Hannibal and I covered a week or two ago. And actually, he made his own video. But I swear, it is not the same video. It's a different video. And this is from Yahoo. Woman sparks debate after complaining your Instacart shopper is a man. Um, now, this is the the whole video is six seconds. So I'm just going to read what it says here in case you can't see it. My Instacart delivery person is a man. I'm afraid for the apples and spinach I ordered. He's already failed to find the right cheese. All hope is lost for my dairy-free butter. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it says it's basically the same as the one from two weeks ago. Instacart customer sparked debate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, since posting a comment or since posting a TikTok on May 3rd, we received more than 78,000 views and 7,600 7, comments. Crying real tears right now. Ivy captioned the TikTok. Just send your wife next time. Alexander. <laughs> the viral video prompted many female Instacart customers to share their own experiences with male shoppers, claiming that they often mess up on their Instacart orders. A man once said that he couldn't find carrots. Weaponized incompetence. Uh, even when they get paid to be competent, said someone else. There's no hope for them. Well, I mean, you could have this battle of the sexes argument forever. 
you know, men can't shop as well as women. And it's well, time to be honest. I've ordered several Instacart <laughs> orders, and the ones, the people who made the most mistakes were men. They, I don't have the math on this one, but I order enough, and it's always a week, like especially the fruits. Ordering fruits is very important. You just don't grab a bag and walk away. You look at it, you gotta inspect it, and I think. Some of the Instacart drivers that I had to deal with or shoppers I had to deal with, they're in a rush. They're trying to get things done fast and things are not as well. Even the in-store shoppers, I've seen made mistakes with the orders that I ordered or the, the fruits is not as fresh as they can be. So obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, not halfway. There's a lot of bad uh, delivery drivers and a lot of bad shoppers out there. I'll just say it that way. Men or women, but... Yeah, uh, men kind of suck at the shopping. Thing. I don't know. Whenever I, I mean, I don't do Instacart very often, but I don't expect, I don't do produce from Instacart knowing that what I might get, if I'm going to do produce, I'm going to go get it myself. So am I, if I'm, am I bad to say, if you just lady, just go get it yourself with you know, that particular. About produce. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, an actual, I don't know if you saw that, but a commenter said that, He's, this guy. No, I didn't see it. Let me see I if I can zoom like in. That's a, that's a way of just you know, and not not you, you can, but like when some people, when a person complains about like a de- delivery or something, the like the default is, well, go get yourself. It's like, well, I, this is a service I paid for. This is what I expect. Like, should I not expect certain things to happen? You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about you, but I'm talking about no. like just but- simple stuff with delivery. They'll be like, well, just go get it. Like, yeah, I guess I could have just done that. I guess that's the end yeah. of the conversation. I don't know. I just don't have high expectations of getting the produce that yeah. I want because I'm relying on someone else to know what, pro- like every everybody's so particular about produce in particular. Like, mm. I don't know. I just don't have high expectations for someone bringing me produce that I'm going to absolutely love or not complain about. So I personally don't ever order produce from Instacart or anything like that, knowing that, I might not get the best thing coming to my house. That's probably a good idea. I think, um, (laughs) well, as somebody who's been to so many different stores, I can tell you the produce is pretty much the same everywhere. It's more about, um, like the, the care and handling. Although I will say like Aldi probably has like the worst produce, but like all your other major stores, Winn-Dixie, Publix, Whole Foods, all that stuff, they're pretty much the same as far as like ripeness and like, because they're pretty good about if something's starting to go moldy, like, you know, they'll take it off the shelf. So it doesn't matter if you're at Whole Foods, we're going to pay through the nose for produce or like even at Walmart. Believe it or not, Walmart, they seem to have a pretty good quality control on their produce. Like I'm not, yeah, seen, not I've never bad. seen moldy. Yeah. Oh, from what I experienced. Well, the one, yeah. at least that time I've been to Walmart, it's not that bad. The best way you can judge a produce section is find the little plastic uh, tins. Well, I guess they're not tins or the little plastic uh, boxes of like raspberries, blackberries, any berry in those plastic things, and then flip them over. And if you see mold on the bottom, yeah, you'll know uh, how up up to you know stuff their yeah. produce people are. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I don't order produce. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a smart thing. Just get like, and then I think another thing that compl- uh, compl- uh, people complain about with Instacart shoppers is when they say they can't find something, and it could be legitimate because you know the shelves are not as you know plentiful as they used to be. But sometimes, like there was one, I saw this one. Uh, I think it was a TikTok comment where she said the person, this, I guess the man, said I couldn't find it. And he took a picture, and then the 
it was lady, in the picture. Uh, looked at the picture, <laughs> circled it in the picture, and said it's right there. <laughs> That's <laughs> actually happened to me, where I was trying to find. Um, it was like cough and cold medicine, and I said I couldn't. Like I took a picture of the shelf, and she said, "Oh, it's like the third shelf, you know, two over." I'm like, "Oh, okay." But they changed the packaging. That happens all the time. I hate when they change the packaging. Uh, did you see what uh, Brianna said? She said, um, I bet they wouldn't cancel in a guy if they ordered from Sam's Club. Nothing but four cases of water, two cases of pop, two cases of Gatorade. Don't yeah. Defensive. That's the thing that, that kind of bothers me sometimes. Like, it, 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 if if people complain, it may be a legitimate complaint. You don't have to go with, well, maybe if they should. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. She I'm said, one of my female Instacart co-workers, well, you're not really co-workers. You're actually competitors, if you think about it. Told me that she will refund waters if she's not in the mood to lift them or she will limit it to two cases and tell the customer that there is a limit. <laughs> That's kind of shitty. Not good. Because the more like the, the heavier way. stuff you you know buy and carry, you get a bigger heavy pay bump. See, that's what I'm telling you guys. <laughs> it depends. I guess it really depends on the there's a lot of us that shouldn't be doing it. There's no pride in what you're doing. And I'm talking about men and women. There's no yeah. pride of what you're doing. They're just finding ways to not do it. Just like that that example right there. Well, let's let's do our last story. I thought this just the headline alone is hilarious. I don't even think you really need to read past this. Uh, deputy who let inmates order Uber Eats fired. Colorado reports say orders mm. hit drugs. <laughs> this is this is pretty quick. A de- Denver deputy thought he demonstrated humanity by letting two jail inmates order food from Uber Eats. Uh, but the prisoners had conspired with a friend to have illegal drugs smuggled into the jail in the orders. Disciplinary reports obtained, obtained by McClatchy News found. Disciplinary letters to the deputy who did not know about the drugs unfortunately became an unwary tool in their scheme. He was fired April 29th after he was accused of violating numerous jail policies by allowing the orders. I made a mistake, the deputy said. Uh, I take full responsibility for my actions. I was in the wrong winning. It's my better judgment for that. I apologize. Well, I mean... I don't know. This is smart. Like, why? I don't understand. Why would you even think that it was okay to do that? (laughs) Yeah. I I have a question. How did they conspire with a friend to get the drugs in the like? Yeah. Order from Uber Eats. How the drugs? Because I I mean, they can they can use like a payphone or something, and they could call and they could say, "Okay, on Friday, I'm gonna order from this restaurant, so make sure you're there." Okay, it was well coordinated. That's that's the only thing I can think of is they say like you'd you'd have to coordinate a date and time and say you know just park right outside that store so that you're the because that what would happen if you know the order went to just like me you know that's what I'm saying random schmuck. But it's interesting that you brought this topic up because I'll just go quickly. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following the news. There's been a deputy, no, a sheriff uh, guard conspired to get uh, inmate out in Alabama. Um, they were on a run for about a week now. They, they, it was Alabama. They found them in, I think, Illinois or something like that. And you, people wonder, like, how did the inmate even conspire? Like, how is that possible? But I think a lot of the issues are inmates are manipulators. Not all of them, but the ones who are in there all the time. They know how to talk to people. And I think they talk to guards and they get their trust and they kind of get in their heads a little bit. And you want to do things for them. And I think it's a lot of... That kind of thing where a guard will like, oh, yeah, you seem like a nice guy, even though you're in jail. Let me help you out. And that guard, yeah. that inmate takes it, you know, take advantage of the situation. And I think that's probably what happened with his deputy and obviously with that uh, guard. Especially that if it's uh, from one gender to the other, not, you know, man to man. It don't matter. I mean, I mean, they have crushes on them. I remember 
when I lived in uh, upstate New York, remember this? Like it was like twenty summer of twenty fifteen. Uh, a female jail guard. She helped two uh, prisoners escape. Yeah. It was way way up in uh, North uh, New York, like right on the Canadian border. I forget the name of the town, yeah. but I I remember that because I had to go up there for work. Have you guys ever delivered to a jail? Was that? Have you guys ever delivered to a jail? I don't think I've ever delivered to a jail. How have I've, you been delivered to a jail? I've I've delivered to actually yeah I have. So it's like you wouldn't deliver into the jail. You just the the front door and the where all the cops and uh, guards are or whatever. Like, cause like they can be like on break and I remember this happened to me like two or it was pre COVID. And I remember I was, when I first started um, doing Uber Eats and Grubhub or not Grubhub, uh, DoorDash at the same time. And I was like, not very good at um, multi-apping, multi-stacking. So like um, this guy, it was a sheriff's deputy or guard or whatever at the jail. Um, and his, his order ended up being probably 30, 45 minutes late. And I was like, Hey, did you order? uh from it was like some chinese food place great wall and he's like yeah like it two hours ago <laughs> but uh mm-hmm. yeah so it, it does seem like if that was in some random like uh baller alert.com news like i might not take it seriously but that was like a legit actual newspaper although i think that the writer whoever wrote that maybe they should have asked a few more questions like how did yeah how well, yeah, it? and it is the, the I guess the cases of women uh, inmates working or conspiring with guards happen more often than we think. Um, a lot of these correction officers work long hours. I know the reason I even have a lot of this information because my, my wife used to work at one, which is funny. Mm-hmm. That you're there so many hours, you're talking to the same inmates. The inmates know everything about you, your hair color, when you change, your, you know, when you fix your nails or when you did get your hair done. They... Cause they got nothing else to do they're in jail the whole time and that's how they can start learning more about the inmate and i mean the guard and that's how they can manipulate them to buy them Uber Eats and put drugs in it apparently <laughs> you ever watch uh the old adam west batman show batman 66 no i, I used to i actually used to have a podcast about it before i moved to florida anyway so you know it's like it's it's a campy show so it's like this these ridiculous premises but like it's play like straight which makes it funny, you know? And one of the running gags in the show is like in the prison, the, uh, I forget the, the warden's name, but he has like this super, like this back in 66, his very progressive uh, style. So like he would let the Joker and the Penguin and Catwoman, he would let them wear their costumes in jail. And uh, (laughs) there's, I mean, there's tons and tons of references like that, but that was the first thing I thought of when I, when I saw that, I was like, this is like a Batman 66 sketch or something, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it seemed like out of a comic book almost, or a cartoon. Yeah, it seems silly. Yeah. All right, so I didn't think we were going to go this long. We're on almost 80 minutes here. Um, thanks to Kim for, uh, you know, uh, being a co-host. Yay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, we need all, all the live streams. I'm sure it's going to be another one I think <laughs> tomorrow. Kim's our first. Actually, would you? No, that's, not, that's Wednesday. Yeah. Kim's yeah. our first female guest co-host. Awesome. I, nobody else was ever. I mean, we had like you know, Inscar Bulldog and Delivery TV, who we saw a little while ago, and uh, Steve from Rideshare Rodeo a few times. But uh, yeah, Kim is our first, you know, woman. So welcome. Well, she's a pro at this. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was fun. 
You do you do live streams like every Tuesday night? Every Tuesday night at eight o'clock, yes. Oh, awesome. Well, we're gonna be competing tomorrow night because tomorrow at Tuesday at eight, I'm gonna be interviewing uh, Driven Wild. Uh, he's fairly new. I didn't realize that until I emailed him that he's out of Fort Lauderdale, so he's sort of down there by UDM. Nice. Um, yeah, so uh, I will be talking to him uh, tomorrow night at 8. Whoops, weapon. Show us. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you, I forgot. I, I forgot to, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is tomorrow night, and uh, I'm still trying to work on a guest for next week. So what do you guys got coming up? Mm. Up. <laughs> like a video every day um i have the live on tuesday my live on tuesday at eight o'clock and then i have um gig talk with udm and jaywalk on wednesdays at three o'clock and then just kind of rinse and repeat for you know going out and working every day so busy well, busy busy hannibal's got big news he's starting a podcast with uh, pedro he created That's a whole awesome. separate channel. Yeah, I'm riding his cult tales. Uh, he's really popular, <laughs> and I can set up emails and set up <laughs> and edit and uh, take care of audio. So, yeah. No, but yeah, we uh, have be a all... podcast starting next month. It's me like uh, gig talk like this, or are you guys just bullshit around talking about sports? or We're going to, yeah, a little bit of that. I think we, it's going to be, we got topics. Um, it's going to be based on. Some some it's gonna be based on some popular culture, but we're gonna be talking in perspective of you know fathers, um, a lot of mental health uh, conversation. It's good. The more you guys will check it out, the more like the show will, will kind of mold. But it's not gonna be gig related. So if you okay. guys are looking for you know something different to listen to, you check us out. It'll start uh, June eighth. It and the channel is the well the Han uh, Pedro and Hannibal podcast. I think I want to. Shorten that a little bit. Just call it Pedro and Hannibal. I didn't. I thought you were calling it the Cuddle Brothers or something. <laughs> no, we had that conversation. We had that conversation, and both his girlfriend, and my wife, said that's probably not going to get where you, you know, the kind of viewers <laughs> <laughs> the audience. So we don't want, you know, again, you know, YouTube's all about the algorithm and bringing in certain viewers. We don't want to disappoint them when they realize, oh, you guys, are just oh, good, no mind. You know what I mean? So, um, this is going to be like our inside uh, joke. But I will eventually okay. fill out that form. I mean, $8 an hour and my wife said it was cool. And as long as there's no, you know, nothing, you know, like that, that type of thing happening, <laughs> I think it'd be fine. So how do you video something like that? No videos. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, you get in trouble. You probably get in trouble. Someone walks in and his camera's well, positioned all over the place. No. Make, uh, make a 15 to 30 second trailer or ad and then I'll run it on this show. About my cuddle businesses? No, no, no! About your your new channel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Good idea, thank you. Yeah. About the cuddle business. All right, thanks to everybody out there for watching. If you're watching the replay, thanks. And remember, as I I always forget to plug this at the beginning of the show. I always say it at the end. If you don't want to watch all the way to the end, this is available as an audio podcast on all podcatchers. In fact, it should be up. I used to wait until I used to post it so they would drop like the next morning, but now I just have it post as soon as possible. So um, you don't have to wait until the next morning anymore. So yeah, subscribe to the geek Two podcasts on Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I will be back tomorrow night interviewing driven wild. And then Thursday morning again with, uh, with Steve. So everybody have a good week and I will see you in 22 and a half hours. <laughs> All right.
Good night. Whoops. Gotta get the outro. I don't have an outro. We'll just end. Just end it. <laughs>